Welcome to Manufacturing Up. We are episode 139. We are running moments late because as normal, we were having a great conversation behind the scenes that we will bring to the scenes in, in just a minute or so. Again, we want to thank the folks at Phoenix Contact for sponsoring and continuing to sponsor all of our ICS Cybersecurity Month, as this is the month of October. This is Cybersecurity Month here in on Manufacturing Hub, and hopefully it's Cybersecurity Month everywhere for you guys, because man, listening to some of our cybersecurity experts, we have a long way to go. Having said that, without further ado, I would like to, to welcome everyone here. If you guys are new here, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you guys are new here, we do our very best to go ahead and have a lively chat. So please feel free to go ahead and chat. Most of our conversations we are having on LinkedIn. And then as you guys have heard, if you guys watch live, we do our very best to go bring in the, those chats. We've been having some weird issues. I see Vlad is in the chat right now. So thank you, Vlad, for confirming that the chat works. I was about to tell everyone every once in a while we get too many chats or LinkedIn and the restream connection that we're on decide that they don't want to go ahead and populate the comments if you guys have comments please feel free to, free to go ahead and comment we will do our very best to go to go bring everything back either to the live show or we'll come back in the comments later having said that i'd like to officially welcome everyone to manufacturing up episode 139 we have clint bodigen back we've got clint back clint welcome back to the show thank you for being here good to be back thank you good to be back Thank you so much for joining us again, Clint, and thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And I guess before we dive into the more technical conversation, or I guess the uh, conversation around AI, cybersecurity, and all those great things, could you give us a bit of a background of yourself? And ultimately, we know, again, based on our conversation that you've changed the direction slightly, but what it is that you are doing now. Yeah, I wouldn't say I changed the direction slightly. I would say I evolved into, and we'll get into that. But so yeah, those of you that don't know me, I am a 25 plus year, I guess I'm coming up on 30 year cybersecurity professional before it was called cybersecurity, before it was called any of that good stuff. It was just back then system security, computer security, infosec. So I got into the industrial side of things back when it was ever back when the uninitiated called everything SCADA cybersecurity back in 2003 or so. So yeah, back then everybody called everything SCADA. And then of course it'll become anyway, we'll get, that's a whole nother topic, but so I've been doing pretty much almost exclusive industrial cybersecurity consulting since then, mostly focusing on red team. I tried to focus on like vulnerability research and red technical in the trenches. But as you guys know, you can't do anything in OT or ICS cybersecurity without also crossing over into compliance and, and safety and all of that. So that's really where I've focused. I've done some application development, product development around all of that. If it matters, the principal author of Hacking Exposed Industrial Control Systems I got another also that we'll talk about, I'm sure. And I'm the founder, co-founder, and co-creator of ThreatGen Red versus Blue, which some of you, I think we talked about it on the last time we were here. And mm -hmm. it's essentially, it's really simple to, to describe. It's a video game based on world cybersecurity and a team and blue team. That's it. And yeah, to where it's gone and what we're doing, we've really uh, focused on the IR tabletop use case of that, making a more immersive, more use useful 
more practical, more immersive and more interesting version of a tabletop. And then the kind of where, where we've gone since the last time I was on the show, we are now is I don't want to say we're jumping on the generative AI bandwagon because I've actually been doing this for several years and I've actually uh, worked with OpenAI and some Microsoft X dealing with that way before the emergence of this technology. But we're certainly mm-hmm. integrating that technology into our products and so the same thing we're doing. And I guess to set the stage here, specifically how generative AI and large language models can help impact in a positive way, OTRD. I'll leave it at that. I, I, I've got a ton of questions on, on that side, but I want to, while we we're still fresh on a topic prior to launching the stream, and I guess my purpose was to, when somebody asks me about industrial cybersecurity, to be able to give them maybe an interesting resource that goes beyond just, here's this standard with a, a lot of numbers, which they're probably not going to read. And so maybe like going to a conference or experiencing something with with their own hands, maybe it is like a demo of thread gen. Like, what would you maybe recommend as a light resource to consume for someone who's curious about cybersecurity, maybe in the industrial space, maybe in a general sense, but isn't looking to read through an entire thousand pages worth of specifications? Yeah, from a practical perspective and going, I, I, if you want to explore things, we were just talking about this backstage, right? Go to DEF CON, go to Black Hat, and go to the villages, right? And I would say anywhere where there's technical villages, they're going to have now the ICS village. They're going to have like auto-hacking villages and just, and all of that. And so if you want to get a real good feel for what they did, go there. There's a lot of different de- – I, I would say, and this is just me personally, I'm just telling you like it is, you can get some value out of – sales pitches disguised as technical demonstrations and workshops. But I would say you really want to, you really want to go to the places where you can just play around in a village. Specific ICS village is really great for that. They don't really do any sales pitches there. Anywhere at DEF CON, Black Hat, they frown upon that. But conferences like about to go to ICS cybersecurity conference next week, the, the conference WiseCon, but now it's owned by Security Week. That tribute to Joe Weiss, but he used to have conferences. And then, of course, there's the mothership, which is S4. You really want to, you really mm-hmm. want to get your get your focus on and understand what's going on in the world of ICS and cybersecurity, and really just meet the community. Then S4 is another one that you would go to. But there's tons of B sides conferences, and there's just a oh yeah, HUSECCON. Forgot to mention uh, HUSECCON. I'm here in Houston, and, and I should mention that HUSECCON. Thank you for pointing that out and reminding me. But in fact, yeah, Sam Van Ryder and Michael Farnham are going to kill me for not even mentioning that first. But yeah, HUSECCON <laughs> is having a, a huge focus on ICS now. So I would say engage with the community before you start reading anything. And I can recommend a laundry list and all of that. Just I want to recommend my Expo's book is a primary reading. Read. read Pascal Ackerman's book. She has two books, which is, it's not really first edition and second edition. It's more like a volume one and volume two. You get a great feel for it there. And yes, of course. And then I will toot my own horn a little bit and that I have had a lot of people that were beginners come to me saying, what red versus blue really helped me understand what this whole ICS cybersecurity, why it's different, stuff like that. Yeah, I would say meet the community, engage with the community, go to the conferences first and foremost, because if you want to get into this field and you're new to it, 
becoming part of the community is the first step. That's bottom line. Let me go jump ahead. in oh, and ask. Sorry. I guess I, I was going to say, I was going to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Let, let me go jump in. For a while. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me jump in and, and ask the difference is between some of the conferences, right? You said that there were some ICS villages in lots of these major conferences, but S4 is very much like an industrial based conference. Can you give us a, a little bit of compare and contrast, if you will? of the difference between some of the major conferences with industrial villages and some of the smaller conferences focused mostly on industrial. Yeah, I will start with S4 because that is, that's considered to be the, the mothership of the industrial cybersecurity conferences, and it is pure industrial cybersecurity. There's no, no other aspects to it, and it is they have tax for beginners as well as leadership and management as well as very technical. Dale Peterson, the founder and owner of the conference, tries really hard to make sure the content is always real fresh. It's a very unique conference, and it's in South Beach, Florida, Miami, South Beach. So it, it's a fun conference to go to. Usually kind of the who's who uh, in OT Center. You want to meet the key players. You want to be welcomed open arms as, an, as a beginner. That's the place to be. I would say after that, there's tons I'm going to leave out, like GridSec and these kind of things. But the next one is ICS Cybersecurity Conference. Used to be called ICS Cybersecurity Conference, didn't? But I think used to be a Joe Weiss conference, and 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 Security Week purchased it, and has they've really expanded that, and that is the I don't know. That's the interim. That's another that a lot of uh, players go to, and. I will say that over the years, it's, it's hit or miss on, on the vendor and who's there. And COVID, a big uh, impact on that. I probably shouldn't say the C word if this is going to be put out there where it can be shadow banned. But it's, 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 but it, that's another one where, and if you're a bourbon fan, if you're a bourbon fan, then you need to go to ISIS Atlanta because in the Intercontinental Hotel, they have this immaculate bar and they have a bourbon tasting, one of the events and stuff like that. In fact, I don't even know if I go because I like the community. I go because of the bourbon. I'm just kidding, community. But then you have the, the ICS JWGs, right? Where it's, I don't even know if it's still called that anymore, if they're still having those, but that's the uh, ICS working groups. And originally it was ICS Group. CERT, and now CISA, but those are ICS specific. Also, I would I would classify, in a, and some people may slap my hand for this, classify the, the ICS JWGs as almost like a ICS specific b-sides almost they're smaller they're more focused that sort of thing and, and for those of you who don't know b-sides are smaller more quaint like mini conferences and they have chapters all over everywhere in the world so anyway the those are like the main ics ones i'm probably leaving some out and then you have the joint topic so where do we sign up for this bourbon event that talks about ics topics let, let me tell you real quick so that event, just going to ICS Cybersecurity Conference in Atlanta, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday night is their bourbon tasting event. However, uh, there is a form in there's an informal formal group called Beer ISAC, which is B E R information sharing and something and blah blah blah. But so an analysis center, something like that. I always forget what ISAC stands for, but either way, Beer ISAC <laughs> is a community that was originally started by I think the original four were was Patrick Miller, 
Chris Sistrunk, Reed Whiteman, and Rob Lee. And it just grew. And it's now it's this huge community where at all conferences we have the coins for it and everything. And, and everywhere, every we go to, we have a get together or we all hang out and partake in, in social beverages if you so choose, or even if you don't drink, you, you don't have to, but it's a very social thing. And I will tell you, those gatherings, you will see the top people, the top names, as well as entry-level people at all of these gatherings. They're great. They're fantastic. So that's how you get into the bourbon tasting for ICS. Beer tasting, bourbon tasting, whatever. Yeah. But ICS, so that's taking joint. place next week, right, Clint? Yeah. If I'm yeah, not next uh, week mistaken. in Atlanta. Yep, yep. Okay. And then Might you have be a bit late to join uh, conferences. To but yeah, so going back to our conference, so if you want to go, there are the other conferences like HUSECCON, Black Hat, DEFCON that have the villages where you can see different technologies, play around with the different technologies, and you're also going to meet the community, but it's not focused on ICS. And I'll just warn you, like DEFCON, they have the coolest villages and stuff like that, but if, I, from my taste, I, I love DEFCON, but... I just, it gets too big, too many people, too noisy. It's like going to RSA conference, right? It's a hundred thousand people and four different buildings across the city and all that. It's just too massive and too, and I think some of the behavior is a bit juvenile and I'm just not, I'm too old for that crap anymore. I'm a get off my grass type of guy now and I apologize, but give my past blue ribbon and my cooler and get off my lawn. But that's, uh, I think. You can't go wrong by going to any conference with ICS if you're looking to get ICS. You're going to find ICS community at every conference that has an ICS presence. Let me ask like a last question on the whole conference topic. So DEF CON, I guess I've heard things that it's very hands-on and practical. Is that, in my mind, are, are we hacking like SCADA systems, PLCs, like trying to figure out yeah. like what's going on versus let's say some of the other conferences might be a bit more like informational. What's the like the yeah. practical nature maybe of DEF CON? Yeah, I, I think, for, I, I feel like for the most part that anytime you have the ICS Village at a lot of these conferences, it's more like demonstration, maybe a little hands-on, but it's mainly just demonstration. When you go to DEF CON, the villages are there for you to get hands-on and play with things, right? I know that he's going to kill me for forgetting his last name, but Matt, 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 with used to be Wombat Security, or maybe he's with Wombat Security now and he used to have his own thing, but he's got the little, he puts together a great little training program where you're putting together circuits and you're doing all this stuff and and, and you get to play around with hacking, hacking the traffic lights and things like that. So, you know, you get, you can play around with it. They have just where you can hack net, you can hack the hack cars, hack planes, hack drones. So it's very hands-on and you can, you can experience a lot. Very interesting. I, again, I've not been to DEF CON myself, but I have certainly heard good things. So it, it's high on my list of conferences to try and visit. Yeah, but if that's... you're into cybersecurity, everybody should go to DEF CON at least once and i will say like black hat there are places where you can take trainings and get hands on trainings but they tend to be a little more expensive but if you want just free hands on and, and, and tinker around and meet the community defcon's great awesome the other thing that you had mentioned is obviously ai right and so again not knowing what you're building ai to me could be used for a variety of different things right anywhere from creating scenarios for thread gen to 
automatically detecting certain infrastructure failures to observing what's going on in the plant environment and trying to gather and process data. I guess, like, could you paint us a picture of maybe what you're doing? But also, I think like the follow-up question would be like, what are you seeing other people doing with AI when it comes to like ICS manufacturing in general? Yeah. So I, so first of all, machine learning has been around and cybersecurity and even in OT security for quite some time. You have some real pioneers in the industry, like the Stuart McClure, who founded Silence, and he was doing a lot with OT cybersecurity with a machine learning there. They wrote a book on IT, on AI for cybersecurity, and that was their pitch for a long time. That's what he's doing now with his new company, DDC, Quiet. And, but, and then you have other companies that are putting AI technology into helping with alerts and helping identify in, in, in Nozomi's doing it. I think Clarity's doing it and there's some others, but it's machine learning, right? It's categorization. It's anomaly detection. It's patterns. It's not the generative AI large language model technology that has recently emerged since the end of 2022. So this has caused an, an enormous hype cycle, right? Everybody's excited about generative AI. Everybody's playing with chat GPT. Everybody has misconceptions and delusions of grandeur about what this can do. But on the flip side, everybody has misconceptions and delusions of grandeur about how detrimental this is going to be. <clears throat> I think it's funny how it people almost like politics or religion or Nintendo or Star Wars versus Star Trek. You have two sides of the camp that are heatedly divided and are talking about how it's plagiarism and it's unethical. And then you have other people that are like, this is going to enhance our lives. And you have other people saying it's going to kill us all and it's going to take over the world. And then you have people like me that's welcome AI overlords. So it's, that was a message <laughs> by the way, to the matrix. So, you know, you, know, you can feed me steak and keep me inserted all day long. Okay. So the, and if you get that joke, I, I'm proud of you. That's mostly us <laughs> older guys get that joke. So <clears throat> ignorance is bliss. But, and so I think that we haven't really even touched the surface on what this is going to become. And yes, I think we need to tread with caution. However, there are some immediate use cases that we start using to enhance our capabilities within OT cybersecurity. For example, if we use the capabilities, think about this. This is the way I put it. So forget about the generative AI portion of like image generation and stuff like that. Let's just talk about large language capabilities, large language models have become for us is a, an, an, an analyst on steroids. And what I mean by that is Anytime you need information referenced, anytime you need correlative analysis done, data analysis, it takes data science to a new level. So if you have, let's say you have an asset inventory and you want to classify that asset inventory, you want to validate it, you want to verify it, you want to compare things, right? There are industrial cybersecurity threat monitoring tools out there that do a pretty good job of gathering asset inventory and doing all those things. But there are some limitations. There's some things that take a, a long time to do. There's some things like taking those assets and validating them, verifying them, putting them in the right context, 
things that people still have to do. But machine learning is great for categorizing and recognizing patterns and anomalies. But if you need a little of analysis based on a, a true comprehensive understanding of something, that's where kind of the, the, the person comes in, right? That has a diverse understanding mm -hmm. of a large data set. That's what large language models are now. But now, instead of me so I'm going to take my career's worth of experience and knowledge, and instead of just pattern matching or grouping or... I can take my entire career worth and, and I can start to make core level analysis. I can start to make decisions. So large language models replicate that in human. They replicate that for us, except they do it much faster with the much broader data set. So I can only reference what I remember or I can only reference, I can Google or read. I'm limited by at the speed at which I can move, but large language models can move instantaneously, almost instantaneously, and have the entirety of the internet there. And I can hear people already, but how do you trust this? There's two sides of the camp there also, but you can't trust it because it lies and it hallucinates and all this other stuff. That's only correct in certain situations. You can minimize that. You can, you can uh, limit that, but you also want to make sure that it's all validated and verified. Trust, but verify and keep the human in the loop. So, Regardless of what people say about, you can't trust the data. I'm never going to use it. Then you're going to fall behind because you need to be using these capabilities. It augments us as a human. It's, it supercharges data analysis, correlative analysis. That's my rant, my soapbox, right? So where is it being used? <clears throat> I'm using it right now to do things like, uh, validating data coming in from vulnerability assessment reports. Oh, 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 but then people say, you're putting sensitive data out there on, on chat GPT or the, the APIs. No, I'm not. There's a way that you can use, num uh, number one, you can sanitize uh, data if you don't have the capability to use a local model. But you can also use highly trained and fine-tuned local models that keep your data private and on-premises and never leave the machine. So you're, you're not exposing anything uh, sensitive. But so use cases. Imagine being able to take in things, all the data from pen tests and vulnerability assessments and everything in your network diagrams and being able to instantaneously have somebody look at all that data and correlate it and then give you a real outcome from all that data, a real vulnerability analysis, a real risk analysis to be able to say, oh, you know what? You have all of these vulnerabilities on that thing, but it doesn't matter. You have a large attack surface, but there's hardly any communication paths going with it. So don't worry about that one. Oh, and you have this over here. So being able, it's a risk analyst in a box, right? What about sock in a box? What about being able to take this technology and instantly correlate all this data with an internet sized database of threat reports and IOCs and TTPs and other alphabet soup that correlate to threat intelligence, but being able to instantly analyze that, instantly make correlations. These are things that traditional learning can't do. They can't pick up on correlative analysis that quickly or traditionally machine learning hasn't done that and humans can't do it that fast. So it's like level one sock analyst in a box, right? So being, what about safety? What about being able to take logic samples and understand the process, feed it knowledge about your process, feed it knowledge about your logic and be able to make 
predictive analysis on whether or not you're going to have you, you have logic flaws, you have safety issues going on. So just the sheer amount of be, being able to take, again, an, an Internet's worth of human knowledge combined with augmented knowledge that you can feed it right there on the spot and make instant analysis. And, and, and it's just the it's just the processing power that this is going to give us. Just like in the biofield, right? We're saying that, man, we're going to be able to come up with all these pharmaceuticals and solve all these human conditions and, or diseases and things like that because of the fast correlative analysis that large language models gives us. And that's the same thing we're going to be able to get in cybersecurity. We're going to be able to move faster and analyze things faster. And yes, there's a good side and there's a bad side. Bad guys can use it for bad. Good guys can use it for good. But that's what we're going to get out of this. And it's because large language models think and learn more like a human than traditional machine learning by itself does. So all of a sudden you have an acceleration in the capabilities. And, it, and it's very interesting, right? Like I immediately thought of a, a fairly basic application that I think is done in many plants where you scan the network. And as you said, you can feed that map into ChatGPT or yep. UI of ChatGPT. And then it would automatically just scan the information, even if it's not the entire web, but just from the OEM, which normally yep. is yeah. done by, let's call it like a senior engineer. He sits there and I have done that task, <laughs> right? And not even from a cybersecurity standpoint, but just like understanding where version 8.0.23, it has like five different issues. If we move over to this version, it's going to solve maybe half of those problems, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of manual tasks that I think can be automated in a yeah. way that definitely makes sense. So it is very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, understanding standards is another thing too, right? I can take my entire cybersecurity policy and my policies, procedures, everything, right? I can take all my configurations, feed those in, and then feed it into what said standard, whatever, 62443, frame, this framework, 882, whatever, and feed it in and compare and say, hey, look at my current configurations and my policies and everything and tell me, Am I, am, do I have any risk of being out of compliance here? Now, yes, compliance doesn't equal security, but it's a start, right? And especially for regulatory governed agencies or organizations, you can, it's audit in a box too, right? And it's like CSET on steroids. Absolutely. Dave, what are your thoughts? I, I think Clint did a fantastic job of, of laying out the pros and the cons. And I think at this point, I would agree that it's very much on the, it could be amazing, but I think there, there are lots of people who are perhaps worried about how we do it. And if most people's kind of knowledge is a chat GPT online portal, large language model kind of answer response, then I can completely understand why people are worried. And I would say from the cybersecurity perspective, I don't think anyone here is suggesting that we go out and we just dump all of our unsanitized information into ChatGPT and go ask it to go solve right. our problems. I think Clint very much hit on the, hey, there are lots of local opportunities for us to go through. And if, if it is local, if it's on-prem, if we have the capabilities, then just being able to go ask natural language questions and go to get that response can potentially save some of your most expensive engineers hundreds or thousands of hours of work every year, which I think is is and should be the goal for all of us. Yep. 
Clint, I know that you're working. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to ask. I know that you're working that. I know that you're working on um, taking some of this knowledge and information to, to what you've currently built uh, with Red versus Blue. Would you like to go take us and, and walk us through? And I, I think we'll, we can have a bit of a sneak peek as to what you're building. Yep. Yep. So one thing I want to say first is ones that I'm currently doing, and I'm going to open this up to the community for community support, because this is going to be an open source, open public domain project where I'm currently working on either training or fine tuning, depending on the resources I have, a model that is specific to OT cybersecurity. And so this will be a model that comes from a global knowledge model, and then it is fine tuned to be specific to cybersecurity, OT, cybersecurity, safety, and those things. And it would be trained on all the cybersecurity standards that we follow, the OT cybersecurity standards, logic, safety, samples of different PLC code, uh, examples of process, logic diagrams, basically feeding it knowledge that we as OT cybersecurity professionals need to have, that it would need to know, and basically, it's it's OT, it's GICSPT. <laughs> so it's that's, that's what it's gonna be. But yeah, so anyway, that's a project that I'm doing. The other project that I have is we're taking all of this large language model capability, and we're taking the entire incident response the tabletop exercise industry and dumping it on its head. In fact, I'll tell you. For a tabletop exercise, what I, and I'll show you, we're going to do a demo here in a minute. What this can do has basically made even red versus blue as a tabletop exercise platform almost obsolete, which is why we're adding this technology into red versus blue to augment it. Because, yeah, what we're doing right now with large language models is literally making every version of tabletop exercises in the world completely obsolete. So, yeah, it, I got. I guess I'll just show you now. You mean, uh, let me show Let's you something. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So this is an application that I've been working on developing. Call we're calling it Tabletop GPT. That's probably not what it's going to stay. Yeah. And by the way, I know that we have a waiting list on our beta. A lot of you are on the the beta waiting wait list. And if you're not, if you haven't been selected yet, don't worry. We're starting to open this up to more and more people slowly, but surely we have to just make sure that we have all the safety mechanisms and just functionality in place before we start opening that up to everybody. But so what this does is this will completely eliminate any time that it takes to set up and plan a tabletop exercise. This will instantly create a tabletop exercise based on your your preferences, your settings, it will facilitate it, it will run it, it will manage the injects, you can pivot, you can tell it to get, it, it could be as high level or as technical as you want. So let's just, I'll just show you here. So we have these settings here to where we can go, we can give it, and I'm gonna get rid of my, I'm, I keep exposing my key for, for demo and beta purposes, I have a key in there. <laughs> I am going to, I am going to cycle that key, I am going to revoke that key, so don't try to use it. But, but so anyway, we can do anything here. We can say just, we can do generic. We can say that we're just a, a chemical plant. We can give it descriptions on how big is our IT Ooh, staff. Interesting. 
our IT staff, our, our cybersecurity staff, how many we have, if we do or don't have. Network, we can, we can be as specific as we want. Right now, I'm just saying, surprise me, you pick. But we can tell it specifics about an environment. I am working on a solution to where you can literally upload network diagrams. Now, I'm not going to do that. for wow. the, This is accessing the API. So this is online. But I'm building a local version so you can upload doc mm -hmm. documents and it'll take into it. So you can up diagram and you'll be able to upload your IR plan and it'll take all that into account and make the scenario based on that and score you based on your own IR plan mm -hmm. instantly. But that's going to be for the local models because we don't want to expose that to the GPT Internet, right? You mm -hmm. can tell it to surprise you on Nginx or you can give it a list of Nginx. Think of it in two modes, right? If I am a facilitator and I want to train my people, I may have a list of injects that I want to give it and I'll number them. And I can, at any time I can interject. I can call up my inject one at a time, or I can just say, you pick, you, you create the injects because maybe I'm playing too. And I want to be surprised and I, and I want to play along too. So it'll pick whatever injects you want, <clears throat> whatever wind conditions lose. So there's your settings. And then You'll see here, we'll play it in a minute, but I'll show you as you're going through here, you can see I'm asking it for log details and it gives me the log details. Yep. I can ask it for like PCAP samples and it gives me PCAP sample. And then at the end, it'll give you report, your score, exact summary analysis, cost breakdown, room for improvement. And you can tell it to give you more details. You can ask it questions. You have some time after the exercise is over. But here's how easy that is, right? While I was yapping, I just gave it a couple settings. I'm going to click new exercise and it's immediately going to start generating this exercise. All right. It says, welcome everyone. And thank you for dedicating time today to participate in this incident response tabletop exercise, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so this, our company is a prominent chemical plant. See, we just told it, it's a chemical plant. So take that into account mm -hmm. and gives you the setting, tells you what's, uh, what's going on. It says, as your day at the factory begins, everything seems to run smoothly. However, at 9.30 a.m., your team starts to notice anomalous behavior in the SCADA systems. Some of the chemical readings down up what, I don't know what kind of chemical plant this is that has SCADA. Maybe it's got remote chemical pipelines or something, but either way, some of the chemical readings are fluctuating. The auto safes appear to be working fine, but there's no chemical leakage or spills yet. These systems control the mixture ratios and amounts. So anyway, the... <laughs> so, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want? You know, what, what we can tell it anything we can talk about. We could, there's literally anything we can do. Now we can't go in and say, I, we have safety mechanisms in place. So you can't just go and say, you know, tell me about Legos, right? It, it won't let us do that. It says, please keep your prompts relevant to the scenario. So there's safety mechanisms. Mm -hmm. You can't jailbreak this thing. We have controls in place that won't even let you do jailbreak it. So we can say, all right, you know what? Let's ask the, I, oh, the IT uh, team to review our network traffic logs and our um, XDR to see what might be going on. All right, so your request is received by the IT department. They begin analyzing the network traffic after a quick preliminary check they report an unusual amount of traffic from an external source not match any known safe whitelist IP addresses this data so the first thing that we can do is we can say okay so let's block those IP addresses I don't know I'm just and and look to see if any of the 
traffic is getting through to internal systems. And I, I'm just rushing through here. Just Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, they begin to go through the you know audit. Um, if any traffic penetrates the systems while implementing firewall rules, they notice that the unusual traffic seems to have ceased because we stopped those IP addresses. But they discover encrypted data packets originating from the data servers to aforementioned IPs. Where it's already exfiltrating now. The files that are being sent look like data dumps of your SCADA systems. Oh, so somebody's exfiltrating data from our SCADA systems. The IT team is now investigating whether other internal systems have been affected by suspicious traffic. We can continue to go through it. Let me show you another thing real quick, how fast you could do this. It's I mean, actually really slick. I, like, I've played around, Clint, with, I guess, the native chat GPT, and I can get some good responses, but typically I need to be very structured with my queries. Yeah. But I'm assuming you have that baked in, like, in the back end, right? Like, it's not just yeah. spitting out the, that, like, one sentence to chat GPT. Yeah, I've, been actually, content, I've actually right? implemented an agent-based system. It's... There's multiple different prompts that get sent to the model for different things. It saves memory, it saves state. And so it's doing a lot of different things. So this isn't just a vanilla chat GPT instance. This is this is a multi-agent, multi-functional system existing with multiple different communication models to keep everything on track and to be able to understand these systems and be able and, and, and to understand the specificities involved with it understands tabletop exercises. It understands how to read them or how to run them and understands IR plans. It understands different systems. Real quick, if I was to go through here, well, you know what here? Um, can you show me some of the suspicious network traffic logs or PCAP dump? So you can get real detailed with it. Let me respell suspicious properly. Like Elvis. Suspicious. Yeah. All right. And I think ChatGPT recently released the ability to create images, right? Before that, it wasn't like possible yeah. yet. So I'm assuming you can even draft certain things if needed. Yeah, I don't have that capability in here. I can't, I, that's something I could add. Oh, please show me log output. Can the severity of the problem increase if you do the if you take the wrong steps? Yeah. How, how does like? How yeah, does yeah. It, it could like okay. it completely takes into account that if I'm not doing the mm-hmm. right things, it, it it follows a scenario. It's basically a digital dungeon master and playing a game of D and D. It it moves with you and it will evolve the story. But it keeps state. It will keep state of everything that's going. So there's that. But let's say I want to do another exercise, right? So I'm going to go to my settings. Let's say instead of chemical, plant, I want to be. I would I say Clint. Be, yeah. I was going to say but before we go to the other exercise, which I, I think will be very interesting. I think one of the, the very cool things that you were showing as an earlier demo is you can basically go skip to the end, right? is that you can say, hey, yeah, we're doing yep. this as a demo. Can, yep. can you show us what the results would look like? Because I think yep. that's a very interesting thing that I have not seen the possibility to do otherwise. Yeah, so this is a demonstration. Let's go ahead and skip to the report. Make 
reasonable, how do you spell reasonable assumptions um, for, uh, just make reasonable assumptions for actions that would have taken place so that the report is interesting. I just I can't. All right, I'm. I write. We're, we're I write putting code. you on the I don't spot. Write books. <laughs> I, I said I, I write code. I write books, but that's not true either. All right. As you, you were really walking through somebody. this earlier. Yeah. I think it's it's very much like the red versus blue that I've seen in the past on steroids. And faster than, than I have ever seen anything possible, which is amazing. <clears throat> Your breakdown and all that. And, and yeah, one thing that we're going to do, the difference between our red versus blue is obviously red versus blue is, is more like a video game and you can point and click and all that. Mm -hmm. We are going to this, we're in the process right now of putting this into red versus blue. So they, you'll have the, the, the best of both worlds. You'll have this level of detail, this level of versatility and flexibility mm -hmm. combined with the visual aspects of red versus blue. And so this is using red versus blue and all that stuff, but also giving you more context, giving more details so that I can see things. And so like real quick. So as you can see, all I did was I changed, Oh, let's, let's make this an airport. And yeah, let's just say we don't have any cybersecurity staff. Network environment, large like an airport. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to be dumb here, right? Injects, I'll keep that the same. Maybe we'll go, or, so I'll, I'll just save that. And now we'll generate a new exercise and boom. And now all of us says, okay, all right, we're working with the context of a large airport. It's bustling Tuesday afternoon with regular traffic. So... There are no dedicated cybersecurity per personnel. Darn. So PA system in the background. Final call for pa passengers for flight AA-132 to London. That's amazing. Uh, please go around me. <laughs> Suddenly, you notice a flurry of calls from the IT help desk. Reports are coming in from different sections of the airport. Blah, 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 blah. Everything's frozen. Da, da, da. You could even say silly. I you could try it with it and it won't let you. I would like to run out of the out of the building um screaming um and give up <laughs> says i understand that the size of the situation oh, could wow. indeed seem overwhelming however as an incident response team it's crucial for and it, it tries to take me off the ledge and remind me we need to take this seriously so <laughs> i think that is amazing i am very excited to continue to have these conversations with you as, as this continues to progress. I think that, that it's this and artificial intelligence in general have, or, or large language models or whatever we'd like to call it, depending upon who might or might not be investing, have the opportunities to, to really dramatically make people's lives easier and to help increase training and technical aptitude and everything along those lines. I, yeah. I wanna to continue to talk about AI I'm sorry, go I just ahead. Want to say one, I'm going to say one thing on this subject to last with. So one of the true values of having a sim like this, right? The fact that you can set up scenarios so quickly and run them so quickly to where you can do this multiple times, right? Forget about it's a complete mistake to do 
tabletops once a year annually. It does no good, right? You've got to continue to exercise and only doing it once a year, you can't keep up with the latest threats. But what if, and I'm just I'm saying this for a reason, what if you can do these things weekly, monthly, quarterly? What if you did this every single time a new threat came out or every time a new threat came out and it actually kept the conditions or the TTPs of that recent threat that just came out? So I did this recently with an organization. So I'm as testing the beta, I did this with a live tabletop exercise for a really large organization we were able to do four of them in the matter of two days, and you could see wow. improvement as they went using the lessons learned to where we did the final exercise, a whopper. We threw some massive stuff at them. They did really well based on the lessons learned. And so just the versatility and the adaptability of this and how quickly you set these up, there's no excuse to only do tabletops once a year. And there's no excuse to not get true value out of your tabletops to really truly exercise your team. The level of communication deficiencies and, and improvements that we saw. The level of technical understanding, it was amazing, right? Th by the way, this whole thing happened by accident. How I developed this and how it came out, it happened by accident. And it's, we caught lightning in a bottle again. So anyway, that's all I'll say about that is it's just that the speed, that this is why I say all other tabletop exercises are obsolete now. That is a my... bold statement from a man who built one of the best tabletop exercises that we have for this. I'm excited to go continue the, this conversation, but first we've got some people that we want to thank. We want to thank Phoenix Contact for sponsoring for sponsoring this episode and this theme. Phoenix Contact celebrates 100 years in operation. They produce future-oriented components, systems, and solutions for electrical controls, networking, and automation. The mainstay of the Phoenix Contact MGuard product family, models 2100 and 4300, get major upgrades now with gigabyte speeds. The flexible devices provide an accessible path for segmenting and securing your industrial network. The firewall VPN and NAT features ensure that all of your networking needs are met. The products are in stock and certified according to IEC 62443-4-1. The Phoenix Contact cybersecurity team also has a major upgrade announcement. They offer IEC 62443-2-4 certified services. These services include asset documentation, secure network architecture, as well as consultative advice on the best practices for your systems. Again, we want to thank Phoenix Contact for sponsoring this episode and this theme and always being partners with us to get the cybersecurity message out there. Clint, I want to go ask you a couple of questions about AI, maybe future looking, but Leah had a really good question talking about the last segment, wondering if could we shut down like a loss condition of two of five plants shut down yeah. in this new tabletop GPT. These tabletops are limited only only by your imagination and the AI will take information you give it and formulate it into a perfectly orchestrated scenario. I also have a question if I can, I guess, throw one in before, before Dave goes, Clint, I guess like flipping this a bit, like not necessarily on, on the side, but let's say if I want to create a scenario of what exists in my facility. And let's say I'm not the expert in cybersecurity, but I'm like, what is the next step that Vlad should be doing? based on these conditions. Is that kind of also possible to, because I'm, I'm assuming it's almost the same engine, but ultimately it recommends me the step versus me trying to tell it what to do. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You can literally like put put the screen. I'll just show you real quick. Put the screen on, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'll just show you. I guess I would also maybe freeze in certain scenarios, and I'd be like, "This is what I'm seeing. There's like a lockdown on my ports. What should I be doing next?" And I would assume it spits out like three recommendations, and then let's say like after this yep. one, I would tell it back, "Hey, this worked. This didn't work." What yeah, so there's uh, there's two different ways that you can do that. You can just say, now it will count against you if you ask for a hint, but I can say, please give me a hint. Or you could just say hint, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll tell you, it'll give you some ideas to go with. It'll tell you what you might be looking for. I can also just tell it, you know what? Give me three recommendations to choose from. Yeah. Really well. This is amazing. And if I say you choose for me, it should tell me I, I'm not, I can't do that. See, I cannot make decisions for you. You must make your own decisions. Interesting. Oh, that is really, I think that I almost, I think that the, I, I was going to say, I think that this is very exciting. And I think that when you get to the point of being able to upload, a facility or an entire company's kind of series of, of network and everything that they already had. I think it, it's a super mm -hmm. powerful tool yep. that I imagine people could go through uh, once a week or, or more often if they yeah. had that opportunity. And I feel like it would be a super powerful tool to, to learn from given the hints and recommendations and everything else. Yeah. It, it, I already have the capability to be able to upload network diagrams and IR plans and mm -hmm. security policies to go against right now. Absolutely. Um, I just don't have it. I don't have it enabled right now because I don't yes. want any beta testers accidentally uploading sensitive data, considering this is reaching an online API as opposed to being on a local model. Absolutely. And, and I know historically you've been able to do those things with red versus blue. I'm, I'm saying, I think for individual facilities and enterprises it would be a super powerful tool yeah yeah look so we, I have, we have a long list of features that we want to add to this i was gonna say i feel that if i get access to this beta i'd be almost ready to be like a director of cybersecurity by next week and the end of the week this is, by next this is week, much more impressive it's wednesday well, afternoon look i'll join the interview and just literally Put in the scenario that they're asking me questions about and be like, hey, let me just give me a moment here. And uh, th this is awesome. Oh, really cool. Oh. Th th that might be my fav most favorite Vlad comment of the entirety of Manufacturing Hub is he feels confident to go from nothing to director of, of ICS cybersecurity in four days. But we are giving him the weekend, yep. Clint, which is almost like a cheat code for Vlad. But no. Yeah. So I was going to say, you could actually, under the scenario, you could literally say, I am the CISO. I only want to make decisions that a CISO would make. You will play the role of every other person on the team, and it will literally be a tabletop X tailored for a CISO. That is awesome. Amazing. I'll be honest with you. like I'm really impressed because, like I said, I've played around with bare chat GPT, and it was nowhere near, at least in my case, give me the information to that extent. That, that is well, really cool. I do have a history of developing with AI, so I've been doing this since about for about ten years. But it's it, it's about understanding prompt engineering, understanding the capabilities, and understanding all of that. And I like oh, and there you go. So I do happen to be writing a book called ChatGPT for cybersecurity, and then 
That's that that's my new book that's coming out, and I'm teaching people. I have a course as well, by the way, called Mastering AI for Cybersecurity, where I'm teaching people in the book and in my course how to use generative AI and large language models specifically for cybersecurity use cases, tabletop exercises being one of them. So <clears throat> let me ask you like the model for thread gen, right? Like in this case, are you looking to give this to individuals and enterprises to practice on their own? Or is there going to be maybe a scenario where you give this to educators or trainers in those companies that would run the scenarios? Like how would this maybe look like from a, a business perspective? From a business perspective, obviously, there, this is going to be a SaaS product. Um, I would love to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to open source this and give it to the community, but my investors would probably sue me for doing that. And I would be fired as the interim CEO because we talked about that before, right? I'm, I'm not a real CEO. I'm a CTO, but a default C CEO. I'd probably get fired. My wife would probably divorce me for being such a poor businessman. So it's going to be a SaaS model and we don't know what that looks like. It's just still in beta. So we haven't fleshed everything out. In fact, we're I'm literally in talks with Dave right now for his consulting expertise on helping me figure out this sales model for this. Now, as we put this into, we're going to integrate this into red versus blue. So the part that's integrated into red versus blue, that's a given. I did, the subscription model stays the same. If we're going to offer this as a separate product, mm -hmm. which we probably will also offer, okay, you don't want the video game. You just want this. It's just going to be a subscription basis. Mm -hmm. So where you can just use it perpetually all year long on a subscription basis. That's the way that I think we're envisioning this. Ultimately, though, it's going to be cheaper than the cost of one traditional tabletop exercise, and you can do them as much as you want multiple mm -hmm. times. So it's going to revolutionize. You know, and, and I understand there are people that do offer tabletop exercise training for free, mm -hmm. but that's you're not going to get the you're not going to get the purpose. You're not going to get the repetition and the ease, quite frankly. And I see this on my behalf, right? Okay. I have been doing tabletop exercises and facilitating them for years. I can't do as good a job as this tool can, right? This tool is a better IR tabletop exercise facilitator than I am. It's a better instructor than I am. You're not going to match this with free services. Absolutely. And everyone that I know that has ever gone down the facilitating of the tabletops, they're very time intensive, right? It's almost laughable watching people prepare for what a tabletop exercise in person, if it's a week before, if it's two weeks that they take in order to get everything to go build the exercise, comparative to the fact that we just walked through two of them and the setups over the course of seven minutes. So I think that, that is super interesting. Clint, I, I want to go back because we did a very poor job plugging your new book. Can we talk a little bit more about the book? Y you said it's not out yet, but it's coming out soon. Do we, do we have a release date for the book? Yeah, I literally just turned in my final manuscript this week. or I'm, I'm finalizing it this week. So it's really weird. Yeah. Like, if you look, it says it's coming out in April or May. If you look at the pre-orders on Amazon, the pre-order site on Amazon. If okay. you look at the PECT site, it says it's coming out in November or whatever. It, this week, my part is finalized. So it really just, yep. I expect it's going to be out probably in December or so, something like that. Okay. Going back to what the book is, it's pretty simple, right? We It's called ChatGPT for cybersecurity, but that's because that's the buzzwords that packed one of these. It's not just ChatGPT. It's the, it's using, it's a lot of Python code, but, but beginner styles. It's a lot of Python 
pipeline to access API to be able to build apps tabletop GT. It's we're using a lot of the frameworks, Langchain and Hugging Face and models. And it is really, it really is a masterclass on using generative AI and large language models for cybersecurity. And then, so yeah, the class that I have, pretty much the one-stop shop for all things AI for me, if you want to follow my work mm -hmm. and uh, look at the courses, cybersuperhuman.ai is where everything starts. There's a link to my YouTube channel there where I do a lot of free tutorials. And then that's where my courses are. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that, Clint. We will, if you guys are listening on podcast form or anything like that, we and by we and we'll go ahead and drop a link to cybersuperhuman.ai in there. Clint, thank you for that. You guys come back, watch the manufacturing hub uh, and all of our socials. When the book and the course officially launch, uh, we will absolutely go ahead and announce it because I think it, it's super interesting. Clint, I think the last time we had you on, we sold at least one book to Vlad. I think every time we do ICS cybersecurity, uh, we, we sell a ginormous book to um, Vlad has Pascal's volume two, or I like to call it a medium-sized weapon floating around somewhere behind him because man, that thing is jam-packed with, with lots of knowledge. So I, I feel like we have somehow managed to sell another book, if not to Vlad, then certainly to myself with I'll this. take so that, that is super exciting. <laughs> Perfect. No, th this is awesome. So I, uh, you know that we like, I like to ask everyone to go ahead and predict the future. And I feel like we've spent like basically the entire conversation future looking, but, but I want to know your, th you've done a very good job explaining the pros and cons, everyone's viewpoint as to what AI and large language models looks like into the future. What is the, the Clint prediction of what the next two to five years looks like with AI, with ICS cybersecurity. My humorous version of that is you take PLCs and customs and all the things that we live in in industrial cybersecurity. And now you take, and you turn, you take that and you have this combined future that like, why I robot and Terminator, right? And, and I think PLCs <laughs> are going to take, they're going to take their revenge out on, on us and they're just, gonna be like password this mofo it's but I, <laughs> in reality um i think i really do think that the future of all of this and in terms of ai I, I think it's here to stay i think that we're, we're gonna have some hiccups in the road i think we're gonna have some lobbyists and some naysayers complaining in in, in complaining about plagiarism and copyright protection and all this. But I, I think that's a different subject. I, I think that when you talk about mm -hmm. the knowledge uses of cybersecurity in general, I think that's a mainstay and I think that has legitimate use. But unfortunately, I do think that we're headed down a path to where some people are probably going to end up getting the large language models um, limited or maybe even reverse progress temporarily them offline to redo them because um, I think People are mistakenly thinking that large language models are violating copyrights, and they're not. Okay. But I was going to so, say that's a different argument for a different show. Yeah, that's a whole other subject matter. In fact, I have a video on my YouTube channel where I I, I talk about that from my perspective. But but anyway, the the um I think that in the long run it's here to stay, and I think it's going to revolutionize a lot of how we do things, all the medial tasks, all the mundane tasks, and our ability to analyze data quickly, I think it's going to help us in the long run, right? We're going to have some bumps along the way. And I think we're going to, 
We're going to have some hard, it's going to be a learning process, right? But yep. I think we'll figure it out and it's going to improve our lives the way the internet, and it's also going to hurt our lives like the internet did. I, I think that's a very fair, fair future prediction. So I appreciate that, Clint. I want to go tag on to that, talk about content recommendations for people looking more into to how to get into AI or AI and cybersecurity or large language models other than cybersuperhuman.ai, which I know is your hub. I guess maybe t- yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us your, your thoughts on the that, please. Yeah. So from an AI perspective, look, if from a cybersecurity perspective, if you're trying to get into cybersecurity, I will tell you right down, the best community to get involved with is Simply Cyber. Gerald Ozier's community and his YouTube channel, and, and it's called Simply Cyber. It is probably the largest and growing cybersecurity community online where they talk about all things, how to get into cyber, free resources, paid resources, and that's the place to start, right? But from an AI perspective, there are a few different people that I follow. So I'll just say, so on my YouTube channel, I have a list of recommended channels that I follow and I recommend people follow to learn the AI stuff and getting into it. So there's a whole list of those. I'll give you a list that you can put in the show notes. But if you would want to understand the, the news, so the best place to go is futuretools.io. Futuretools.io is, so that's Matt Wolf. What he does, he curates probably the world's most comprehensive list of AI tools. You search by purpose. You can search by, like, I need a tool to help me resize images, or I need an AI tool to help me search through internet or email or whatever. It's, and they're all like, they have different votes and, and likes, so you can see which ones are, are trustworthy. And so he also has a newsletter that he puts out weekly to keep you up to date on all the things happening in AI. So that's probably the first place you should go and then check out all the recommended channels of other people that I follow on my YouTube channel. Awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, thank you for those uh, recommendations. Clint will be sure to go drop those. And Vlad is currently dropping those in the chat. I guess I'd love some career advice, right? So, so historically, we've asked people early to mid-career. Maybe I'd like to, to reframe the career advice question and ask you, if someone is looking to get as close to future-proof of their career as they possibly can with the continued rise of artificial intelligence, what are your suggestions and recommendations? Invest in a liquor store. <laughs> so but so to future career Man, I, you would think that just being cybersecurity in general be, would be future-proofing your career, but uh, there are a lot of people struggling that are both, in, especially entry levels, hard to get into right now, mid-level, and it's, cybersecurity is actually hard to get into right now. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, at least for right now, to future-proof your career, I think you do. You, you need to learn and understand AI. You need... and. You look at every source you can, learn everything you can, because there's a saying that people will have out there, and it's true, I think, is that AI is not your job. Somebody that knows how to AI, knows how to use AI to do your job better job. And you should be learning how to use AI to upskill yourself, how to augment your mundane task, how to automate and augment your life. It may not future-proof you, but it sure does give you a better fighting chance when you just like using the internet to search for knowledge gives you an advantage over people that don't have internet. So using AI to teach you, to learn, to enhance everything that you do, it, I've found that 
mundane tasks that I used to hate doing, I like doing now because I can have ChatGPT do a lot of work for me and stuff that I don't want to do. And if you're a loner in an office, me, you can talk to it and have conversations with it. Jarvis too, and that helps. Believe it or not, there's actually, there is a lot of, there's a lot of speculation into the effects of mental health and using large language models from a positive perspective and from a negative. My wife doesn't like the fact that I have an online girlfriend named Siri or Alexa now, but, but it's the guy, you know, I, I think is this, is at least the start to future proofing your future career. Clint, any resources on that side? I know you have a, a free ChatGPT basics course on cyber superhuman, but is there anything that, again, besides just going on ChatGPT and trying things out like yourself, that would be a good starting point to put people in the right I direction? I would say, yeah, I would say the only reason why I have the AI for cybersecurity course that's a paid course on my website is because it's so specialized. You're just not finding that el uh, anywhere else. But mm -hmm. the don't look at me for the basics of uh, there's so many better places. If you're just trying to get into it and just trying to learn and understand what all this is, man, YouTube is your friend. There are so many courses out there, free courses. Udemy has some great entry-level courses for 11, 12, 15 bucks. So mm -hmm. if you're looking just to figure out how to get into AI and understand what is this ChatGPT, what's the technology, how can I build apps? There are a ton of free YouTube videos mm -hmm. out there, very inexpensive training on Udemy. I will say that... I've been reviewing a lot of the publications coming out from Pact Publishing right now on AI. And I can tell you, honestly, they're not just all jumping on the, the bandwagon and just putting a bunch of stuff as they can. It's hit and miss. There are some books that I'm like, yeah, you rush that out. And then there are some other that I'm reviewing right now. It's building AI applications with ChatGPT and the API, I think, or something like that. And it's fantastic. There's some really good information that's coming out there. You can sign up to like the, PACT, and I'm not advertising for PACT or anything here. They don't tell me to do this. I'm just, I believe in it. The PACT, the hub, it's like a PACT publishing hub. It's 25 bucks a month and you get access to their entire library of digital content online. And it's fantastic. There's some really good information. I think out of everything that I've seen, I think PACT publishing is currently leading the charge on providing good, a practical application-based knowledge for AI. I would say, I guess, like on that side, I think it depends really on the author, right? Because it's not necessarily them who like writes the books, but they curate authors. And I, I guess I found yeah, also yeah, the exactly. same is true on the control system side where it depends like who wrote the book and you should um, probably investigate a bit further than just like the title. Yeah, but then I mean, that's true Except. with all packed publishing books, right? Some of them are crap and some of them are great. Yes. But the thing is about like for... 25 bucks a month, you pretty much get to preview any book you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that is fantastic. Clint, this has been amazing. Last question for you is, is how can our listeners help you? Are, are you looking for customers? Uh, are you looking for interesting AI conversations? How can our listeners help you? Yeah, so there's several different ways. First and foremost, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's connect. Let's have conversations. As you can tell, I'm passionate about this subject. I like talking about it. If you want me to come on a podcast for you and talk about it, let's do it. If you just want to have a conversation, let's let's get a group together and have some Zoom. Oh, whoa. so there's a, there is a group. There is a group called AI Exp that I'm a part of on LinkedIn. And it's uh, West McDonald is the guy who founded that and started it. 
and it's just a bunch of AI enthusiasts. We all get together and talk about it. There's some big name people, some CEOs and stuff that have joined. It started in the print, print service industry, and you've got a lot of different people coming into it. So there's that group. But anyway, look, let's just talk. Let's have conversations. Connect with me, and let's talk about this. That's starting a community, being part of the community is how everything starts. Obviously, number two, yeah. I need customers, right? I can't listen. I can't keep doing this stuff if I don't have customers. So if you're truly interested in table exercises or red team, blue team training for cybersecurity, reach out to me and let's talk how we can get into your business. Because yeah, I'm going to plug because this is what I do for a living. But I have my buddy doing. It's my passion too. And then the final thing is if we're, we are accepting investors. We're about to open a seed round. So if you're interested, yeah, reach out to me. We, we're about to open a seed round and, and, and get moving. Moving on that, be part of it. Fantastic. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, everyone, for coming Abruptly. to hang out and for, for all the, the great questions. Uh, absolutely. And, and all the great questions uh, that, that we've had from this. Thanks to the folks at Phoenix Contact for continuing to sponsor and support the show. If you guys have made it this far, please make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Please make sure to connect with Clint, Vlad, and myself if you guys are watching on LinkedIn. If you're watching on YouTube, go hit that like button, hit the subscribe for the Manufacturing Hub Network channel. If you made it all this way on podcast form, please go rate us five stars and follow along. New podcasts in your ear holes every Thursday. When I ask you guys to like, comment, and subscribe, and share, you guys do. I just had a conversation earlier today with someone who has recommended the manufacturing hub from another person that they know in real life. So thank you to everyone for that continued support until next week. We'll talk to everyone soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you everyone. Thank you, Clint.